God, our Father in heaven, we come to you this morning and we praise you. You are glorious. You are wonderful. Thank you for meeting us here today. Lord, let us meet with you. Lord, let us remove those things that distract us from hearing your word today. And Lord, speak to us. Give us your presence so that we will know you are with us and you are for us. Bless us, Jesus. Bless us, Spirit, so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes my family wonders if I didn't have my head connected to my neck, if where I would lose it. It's often true that I set things down someplace just to get them out of my hands, and then I wander around for minutes or hours looking for them. I need a brain transplant. Sometimes I just get to the end of myself, and I say, I have looked in every place but one, wherever it is, of course, that I left it. Usually, by the time I get here, I've prayed four or five times begging for help from Jesus. I sometimes wonder how long it will take him to stop laughing when we finally start talking about this face-to-face. What is really bad is when you know that you're looking in all the wrong places. Your mind starts playing tricks on you and you chase your tail through your house, through your car, through the office, through your wife's car. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? But one thing I know is true. It's not only when we're looking for our car keys or our phone or our wallet that we look in all the wrong places. One thing our culture excels at is looking for love, joy, peace, hope in all the wrong places. Fortunately, Jesus gives us examples of where to look for all the things that matter. And the Spirit gives us the insight and perseverance to do it. Today, as we look at some more of Jesus' miracles, we will learn to look for Jesus in all the right places. As we continue looking at the initial miracles of Jesus in Mark's gospel, we will see that there is a common theme. Jesus is found in his word, and he is found in our intentional service for the glory of God and the good of our near ones. We This morning can be encouraged and empowered by Jesus' examples and we can be enlightened in our own living so that we can rejoice as we see God work through us and in those who he brings to us. Let's see how this works out by reading our passage in Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 29. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because he knew them. They knew him. 
And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now apparently, Mark wants to emphasize that Jesus performed all of these miracles we're going to talk about today on one specific day. This is a day in the life of Jesus. In Mark 1.21, which we looked at last week, we see that it is a Sabbath. And Jesus went into the Sabbath and he preached. Now today, where we're starting in verse 29, we see that he had just left the synagogue and immediately went to Simon's house and healed his mother-in-law. At sundown, the same Friday, Jesus healed many. Then rising very early the next morning, which by our reckoning, is Saturday. But in terms of how the Jews looked at the calendar, it's the exact same day. And he began, on this day, his preaching tour throughout Galilee. Now we can see at least two things because of this miracle preaching tour. Firstly, we see that Jesus was very intentional. Decisive. He knew what he wanted to do, and he did it. Jesus had a job to do. Jesus came to earth to bring glory to God by saving sinners. We will see that in our narrative today, and we will see that throughout the whole Gospel of Mark as well. But the second thing we see by recognizing that all of this happened on one day is that as we pay attention to God's Word, we will notice more of what God wants us to know. It may seem unimportant to you that all this happened in one day, but evidently it wasn't to Mark, and it wasn't unimportant to God either. Perhaps we should take the time to ask why. Well, at least one reason is this. While the Bible does not answer every question we would like it to, very often details are added so that we will know that this really happened. Details show us that this was written by an eyewitness, or in this case, the disciple of an eyewitness. The details show us that these recorded events took place in the real world and not just some fantasy or myth. Details like this all happened in one day give us the confidence that we need in the most important book ever written. So, as I've said before, one of my most important jobs as a preacher is to help you become independently dependent on the Word of God. Look for details like this. I am here to shepherd you in the process of becoming more and more fluent in Scripture so that when you are alone, you can eat and drink the manna from the Word of God and nourish your soul until you cross the Jordan yourself. Read carefully enough to notice things like this and you will never regret it. If we find Scripture boring, it's because we're not reading it closely enough. If we find the Bible boring, it's because we're not paying attention. So my friends, look. Look 
for Jesus in all the right places. Look for Jesus in his word. Look for Jesus in the gospel. This is why I'm going through Mark's gospel. We want to see how he lived so we can know him better. We want to see him and how he lived on earth so that we will therefore love him more. We will see his heart of compassion and grace. And as we see how God the Son lived with skin on, we will trust Him more. We will see that there is no one who can compete with Him in following through on His great, glorious promises to us. You will seek Him and find Him when you're looking where He intends to be found. Which, of course, is right here. Let's continue. Let's begin by looking at our passage, starting in verse 29. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with the fever. <clears throat> and immediately, they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. This is the shortest recorded miracle in all the Gospels. If Jesus were trying to be popular, he would have made a whole lot more deal about having people see what he did. But he didn't. He kicked them all out. Jesus is unpretentious. There's no ceremony, no magic, just healing. Just service. He didn't do it for everyone else's eyes. He did it so his Father in heaven would see him. We learn something else from this and every other miracle. Jesus served soiled sinners like us. Jesus has compassion on our pathetic state. This is the real point of the miracles. We have already noted that miracles are designed to emphasize one or more of three purposes. God's control, God's authority, or God's presence. Jesus and all his messengers throughout history have been intentional in the use of miracles so that we would see God is in control. We would see that he has enough power to part the Red Sea, for example. He's intentional in his use of miracles so that we would know that God has the authority to pass judgment on the rebellious Egyptian army. They are Use, they are intentional in their use of miracles so that we would know that He is with His people. He is with us to take us safely through the various trials and tribulations we face in our lives. Don't ask God to make you win the lottery. That's a parlor trick. Jesus is not interested in parlor tricks. He is interested in equipping you to serve your near ones. Jesus' miracles are intended to draw your eyes away from money and to draw your attention to Him. Serve others so that you will look for Jesus in all the right places. Don't expect Jesus to do parlor tricks to satisfy your curiosity. Expect Jesus to meet you when you love your neighbors. 
Jesus can't be found where people want parlor tricks. That's exactly what King Herod found when he wanted Jesus to perform for him. Herod, the day Jesus died, was disappointed even though Jesus stood right there in front of him. So then, what's the opposite of parlor tricks? If if that's not what we're supposed to be after, what is it that we should be after? What is it that Jesus wants to do in us and through us and for us and our near ones? He wants to save us. He wants to let us in on a secret. (coughs) That secret is that God is here. God is now. You are never alone. It's exactly what's going on in this miracle. Mark says Jesus lifted her up. This is the exact same phrase in the Greek as when it's translated, raised her up. In other words, Jesus saved her. Physical cure and spiritual salvation of the soul, the same word is used in both cases, and it's only the context that determines which meaning Jesus or Mark intends to use. And you and I are expected to see the pun. We are intended to see the double meaning of Mark's phrasing. This is not a parlor trick. Jesus curing and strengthening this woman is meant to show us that Jesus is powerful to save. And if Jesus can save this woman physically, we are meant to reason Jesus can save her spiritually. And if Jesus can save this woman spiritually, then he can save me as well. Then he is strong enough to give me the physical strength as well to meet all the demands, to go through the trials and tribulations that will continue until I cross the Jordan myself. And this shortest recorded miracle shows us that Jesus did save her spiritually. We know this because we see in this woman a heart like Jesus. She served them. Some might say, no, that's not the point. Jesus is a misogynist. He just wants to keep women in their place. No! Jesus wants human beings to live to their fullest. Therefore, Jesus wants everyone to serve, not just women. Jesus wants everyone to have his heart for others. Because that's where we find him. Jesus wants everyone to have his heart for others. Because that's where we'll find him. And it's not hard to find him when you look in the right place. Christian, expect to find Jesus. Expect Jesus to meet you where and when you joyfully sacrifice for the good of your near ones. Expect Jesus to meet you where and when you take time in His Word to understand His loving heart. Jesus is not a misogynist. Jesus is a realist. Jesus wants all us all to live in the real world and experience real blessing. Jesus wants us to look for him in all the right places. So where do I find Jesus? Well, as I said, we find Jesus in his word, the Bible, and we find Jesus in our service for others. 
Where do I look for Jesus when I'm suffering? Where do I look for Jesus when I'm rejoicing? Where do I look for Jesus when I'm uncertain? Where do I look for Jesus when I'm in His open love letter to the Word, the world, His Bible? I find Jesus by looking away from my own interests, by looking away from my navel. I find Jesus by looking towards Him in the needs of others. Look for Jesus in all the right places means that you expect that you will find Him as you love those who are near you. You expect to see Him at work in and through and for you as you are His hands and His feet in the lives of those who need you. Perhaps you will never miraculously heal someone in your life. Of course, perhaps you will. Not by your own power. But if you are walking with Jesus, if you are finding Jesus in service to others, you just might be blessed to be His hands and feet in that way. Furthermore, when you turn your heart to serving others, you will be seeking to grow His kingdom. You will be seeking to pursue His righteousness. And my friends, God can't help Himself. Jesus rushes in where fools fear to tread in order to bless people who are like that. This is Jesus' promise in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What things? Everything you need. Even if it needs to be miraculously given. Grace. Grace. God's undeserved power to accomplish all that He has for you right now. That's what's available to you. Grace. Grace. You have this power when you look for Him in all the right places. In His Word and in His service. In service to those that He puts into your life. This is exactly what we see. And this is what we see in the next part of our passage. Verse 32 to 34. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Jesus is full of compassion. If you see Jesus as a taskmaster, then you see him wrongly. Yes, there are commands. Yes, there are things that we need to do and think and believe and trust. But underneath that, there is compassion. Jesus looks on you not with anger or loathing. He is gentle and accommodating. Jesus is approachable and he is powerful for those who trust his promises. In case you don't believe this, notice how accessible he was to those who hadn't even yet trusted him in Mark 6.34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they trusted him? No, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus intends to be the shepherd for those who want him. Jesus intends to use you as his shepherd for those who are near you. So be like Jesus. 
Show compassion on those who are near you. Show compassion on those who need to taste and see that Jesus is good to you. Look for Jesus in all the right places. Jesus tirelessly served. Have you ever noticed that when you work, especially work for others, you have more contentment than when you sit on your hands and you fondle your favorite toys? Now, there is, of course, time and room for relaxation and recreation. Don't get me wrong. God the Father gave us one day in seven to seek Him apart from whatever our daily labor is. In fact, it may be that what you need more than anything else is the spiritual discipline of Sabbathing. You just may find Jesus in taking a Sabbath. You just may find that having seven extra weeks of vacation each year is what you need to have the mental and emotional energy to serve those near you. You may find yourself in an upward spiral, being encouraged over and over again to love others. Who couldn't use that? Look for Jesus in all the right places. Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Mark is big on the wilderness theme. It says here that Jesus went to a desolate place. Remember when we were in Mark's prelude, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, the wilderness theme popped up a lot. In the Bible, the wilderness is meant to be a signal of sorts. It's meant to draw our attention to two simultaneous things. The first is the wilderness is where we suffer. But the second is the wilderness is where we meet God. We must meet God where we suffer because when everything is going well, we don't look beyond ourselves. When everything is going well, we don't look for God to show us Himself. We can't see Him because we're not looking for Him. Look for Jesus in all the right places. And while in the wilderness, while in the desert, desolate place, Jesus prayed. Jesus looked for his Father in the right place. Now last time we did a sermon on prayer. We interrupted this miracle narrative because we wanted to note the close connection between the nearness that Jesus sought to his Father in the wilderness in prayer and the unparalleled power he had to serve those near him. You too are meant to see this correlation. Don't miss it. Spend time with your Father so that you will have power to serve others. But apparently, his disciples did miss it. Notice that in verse 36, Mark says, those who are with him. Mark doesn't even call them disciples. They're missing it. They're missing Jesus' key lesson here. This those who are with him, is intended to be a slight. It's intended to be offensive. The disciples' eyes were on popularity and parlor tricks. 
Their eyes were on what Jesus could do. We'll be famous. We'll be powerful. Not, we will be humble servants of the living God. Jesus never resorts to popularity or parlor tricks. What Jesus is looking for are servants, soldiers. And prayer is a two-way radio that calls in supplies so that we can stay in the fight. Prayer is not room service so that we can stay in the bath. Look for Jesus in the fight, not in the bath. Look for Jesus in all the right places. Pray. Pray prayers for others. Pray prayers for those who are on the front line of making disciples, making disciples. Pray prayers for those who need you to encourage them. Pray prayers. Find Jesus. Look for Jesus in all the right places. Mark wraps up this section and he says, Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all, throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus knew that his job is to bring glory to God by saving sinners. Using miracles was Jesus' way of drawing attention to the power of God, to drawing attention to God's authority to use that power as he sees fit. And using miracles was Jesus' method of longing to draw our gaze away from our navels and unto his glorious face. Jesus never seeks merely to amaze people around him. He preaches to them as well. He teaches them the truth. This is why the miracles were there, to draw our attention to the truth, to Jesus. And Jesus needs to do the miracles and to preach because Satan blinds the eyes of the world. But the God of this world cannot stand in the presence of Jesus. The God of this world cannot blind eyes when they see Jesus' people today serving others selflessly. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4-6. through In their case, the unbelievers, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, not popularity, not parlor tricks, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants and his soldiers for Jesus' sake. For God who said let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. It has been remarked that St. Francis said preach the gospel everywhere you go. When necessary, use words. It may be that he said something like that. I don't know. If he did... My retort is that he said it in a context where almost every mother's child around him knew the contents of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But that was not true 
in first century Israel. So Jesus preached. That is certainly not true in 21st century Santa Maria, California. So you and I preach as well as serve. If you are faithful to Jesus, you must live your life in such a way that your near ones may see the fact that you trust God's promises for you in Jesus. And you must tell them what these promises you trust are. Because Satan has blinded their eyes. Satan uses many means to do this. But the point of all of them is that he pulls our attention from that which really matters, the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Satan doesn't care if you're a Satanist or you're a good moral person in the eyes of everyone around you. He does care that you don't look for Jesus in all the right places. So here we are in the Gospel of Mark and we're following Jesus as he wanders around Galilee. And here we are as we follow Jesus as we wander around the Santa Maria Valley. Our job is to find Jesus right here. First in His Word and then in our relationships with those who are around us. Our job is to meet with Jesus in the Bible and then show others that Word, this Word, Word working through us and for them. Our job is to preach the grace of God, His undeserved power at work in and through and for us so that it will work in and through and for them as well. Then, as God the Spirit so moves through us, we speak the truth of the good news of Jesus. You and I must so live and so speak and so read that those who are near you can see that you are the place that they can look for Jesus. Because if there is anything evident right now in this cultural moment in which we live is that our culture excels in looking for love, joy, peace, and hope in all the wrong places. You and I must be that gospel. We must be that message so that they can find it in Him. Today, look for Jesus in His Word as you turn to Him and see Him and therefore know Him better. And then, look for Jesus in your relationships and your service to those who are near you. You will find Him there. Lord Jesus, we want to find You Holy Spirit, move in us as we go to your word and seek to know your promises and then work in and through and for us so that we will trust those promises and work in and through and for us so that those who are around us will also be blessed. God, Father, we worship you and we ask that you would be glorified in us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.